0: A new Lincoln with all of its class. I like a martini and bird on the glass. All right,
1: all right. Welcome to Frankly Drinking. I'm your host, Larry. I'm sitting here with my good friend, a good old friend, Luke. Hi, Larry. <laughs> We're on Frankly Drinking together. That's right. It's, it's a miracle. We, we created this. And somehow, we're on it. How did that happen?
2: I I think we we just did it, you know. And here we are bringing together two great American originals, whiskey, and Francis Albert Sinatra.
1: I uh, we should explain to the audience that I I know a little bit about whiskey, and you know a little bit about. Frank Sinatra. Together, it's like that. It's like that old commercial. You've got your Frank Sinatra knowledge, and my whiskey. I got my whiskey, and your Frank Sinatra knowledge.
2: <laughs> yes, and I think you'll agree that there are some peanut notes in some whiskeys. So I think we
1: we got that connection there too. Is there some nougat in in Sinatra? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this podcast is all about Frank Sinatra. And whiskey, we're, we're not going to go into, uh, we should be very specific. We're not going right. to talk about scotch. No. I'm not going to talk about Irish whiskey, even though Frank was Irish. I think we should really just kind of stick to the basics and stick to uh, some easy, everyday uh, bottles to find and review them and enjoy them as uh, as two old friends would do while listening to Frank Sinatra. Right and let me just correct you on one point
2: there Larry yeah. Frank being Italian oh, uh, not not Irish see, um
1: see I don't know that. anything
2: <laughs> but the funny thing about that is that his dad um actually was uh, was a fighter he was uh, he was a fist fighter um Frank's dad was Yes in okay. in some of his um some would he, he struggled in his career and he was a fighter and he went by the name not Marty Sinatra, but Marty O'Brien. So hey, there's I think that's Wait, Irish, was, right? O'Brien.
1: He was fake Irish, is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Fake yeah. Irish fighter. Well uh-huh. I I the blue eyes. I think it was the blue eyes thing that threw me. <laughs> See, I know I know a lot about the man, but Uh, only from documentaries and, you know, my limited knowledge. So Luke is very encyclopedic when it comes to this stuff. And so uh, we're going to help each other out. The format of the show is mirroring uh, Frank's favorite drink, which is basically uh, three cubes, two splashes of uh, two ounces of, or two fingers, excuse me, three cubes, two fingers of Jack Daniels. And so we're going to have three songs and two drinks on this podcast. What What's the history of Jack and Frank, briefly?
2: Yeah, well, you know, Frank um, loved Jack Daniels, and I think um, he had some friends. I think Jimmy Van Heusen um, liked Jack Daniels, and... Um, who was that real heavy set uh, comedian Jack Gleason yeah Gleason. Gleason liked it as well but but Sinatra um became synonymous and and linked to Jack Daniels because he always had it um he often had it on stage he had it in his writer his stage writer for years and years he had to have x number of bottles of of jack Daniels and There was a story, and I think it's true, that someone from Jack Daniels was responsible for making sure that Frank never ran out of what he called the nectar of the
1: gods. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, we have plenty of Jack around here, so I don't think we're going to run out. Although we're not just exclusively drinking Jack tonight.
2: No, no. I mean, that's the thing. And I'm sure that uh, Frank didn't exclusively drink um, Jack either, um, but it was his favorite, and so we're gonna we're gonna be drinking that later on, and I think we're gonna. That's earlier in the program. We're gonna enjoy um, uh, another bourbon, another wh- American whiskey. Yeah,
1: that's the goal. So um, I, you know, thought that since this is our first podcast, um, we should establish something here, and that is, um, I, you know, once a year, I. Have looked forward to. I I collect a lot of vinyl records and I, and I I buy every new release of Sinatra because honestly I got tired of digging in crates at record stores around town and finding really bad copies or you know mm-hmm. copies that were scratched and you know it's Frank's voice that you know sells an album. I mean if you bring a a copy of Sinatra and Strings home with just beautiful strings on it and you know this beautiful voice. And it sounds bad, then, you know, you feel like you uh, spent $8 too much on, <laughs> on a piece of vinyl. So I've been buying all the new vinyl that comes out. And I, something, I guess, I just didn't realize was that uh, this previous fall that, that they released um, My Way, a 50th anniversary of My Way. Yes, yes, from 1969. Yeah, I have it right here. Um, they also, on Record Store Day, which is the um, basically a... Partnership with record stores, independent record stores, to release special releases Mm -hmm. in the fall and in the spring. They pressed a 12-inch single version of My Way as well. Ah, is that on some kind of funky colored vinyl or anything? I don't think it's colored. I don't think it's colored. I think it's um, I think it's standard issue black black vinyl. But oh, that's great! I think it's kind of great looking package there. Yeah, they did a they did a Christmas single a couple of years ago and they did this obviously in partnership with the the record this is a it's got two live tracks on it and um this it's not really that flashy it's just kind of standard uh printing for this release but um i thought that was kind of cool that they did that but you Definitely. know Definitely. but also the the fact that every year they release a special package it seems like for the Christmas holiday season, I, I didn't see that this year.
2: Um, no, you're right. There's been some. There's been some great releases over the past few years, um, including uh, the one for the hundredth anniversary, um, which you know, uh, which featured a hundred tracks on the on the larger issue. There was a shortened version that was a single CD, um, but then they've they've done some uh, great live recordings that, um, haven't been released before, um, and just some, some great special releases over the last few years, but did not do one, um, this past fall. And, um, so, I mean, there was a, there was a, there was a CD size hole in my, uh, stocking this Christmas because
1: <laughs> there
2: wasn't a release.
1: So you ask for it every year, and so uh, yes,
2: yes, my my uh, in laws would usually get them for me, and so it was a it was a J Crew Christmas instead of uh, Frank Sinatra from then this year. What well, they get you? <laughs> uh, a sweater, and oh. uh, yeah, I think a shirt too. Yeah, that's
1: lovely. Hey, that's I. They even let me pick them out myself. <laughs> <laughs> well. I uh, was thinking about, um, you know, the best first choice for a a spirit for this show. Um, I didn't really have, uh, I've got, you know, a lot of bottles to choose from around the bar here, and um, I chose uh, something that anybody can find any store, usually. Okay. Larger stores, or you can ask your store owner for it, but um, this... Uh, Distillery is basically uh, the nation's first distillery. This was Hmm. uh, possibly, could have been possibly, George Washington's favorite whiskey. Okay. It dates to 1753. This particular one we're drinking doesn't, but the distillery (laughs) does. And that's Michter's. Okay. It didn't start out as Michter's. It started out as different uh, names. Um, But basically, Michter's has been revitalized uh, now in Louisville. Uh, and they're making their own bourbons and ryes. And this is um, the Michter's American Whiskey. So this is an American whiskey. It's not a bourbon. Uh, it's a blue label. We'll put the uh, photo up on our Instagram and associated social media pages. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, I really like this stuff. It's This is an older bottling. This is from uh, 2013. I still have a little bit left in there. And um, you know, it's just a, it's a decent pour.
2: Yeah. Are we drinking this now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can we can uh, we can drink this. Uh, basically, um, it's uh, you know, oh nice. I'm gonna pour a little bit. A little little pour. It's basically um, a good mixer as well. If you want, we're gonna drink it neat here. Um, and again, it's one of those things where you, you can find the mixers uh, bourbon fairly easily. Um, the mm-hmm. sour mash product they make is a little bit harder to find, I believe. This I see here uh in town a lot. Um and I think it's I think it's not bad. You know what Frank would always say? What's that? Salud. So mm-hmm. Salud. Salud. Sorry, I forgot. Cheers. What What bad luck I kicked off without saluting. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's basically Valentine's Day week and we're recording this. And I thought about uh, the way we we choose Frank's music on this show. Um, I'm going to go first tonight. I picked a track that uh, I just heard because I picked up the 50th anniversary vinyl Mm -hmm. and it put a smile on my face because, as you know, I'm in love and uh, and I just I love this song. I love this song. So uh, I'm going to play a little bit of this song, and we're going to talk about it.
0: Let me tell you about a gal I know She's my baby and she lives next door every morning for the sun comes up she brings my coffee in my favorite cup that's why i know yes i know hallelujah i just love her so
1: oh man it i don't know I don't know if it gets any better than that. I mean,
2: <laughs> what a what a fantastic performance and uh and this song was written by uh another great American artist, Mr. Ray Charles. Oh, so Ray Charles wrote it. Ray Charles wrote that song um in 1956 and then of course uh Frank covered it in 1969 for for My Way as we talked about. There have been some other covers of it. Um, I think um, even, I think even the Beatles covered that. Uh, the Beatles covered that. I, I think they did. Maybe maybe just for a live show or something. Yeah, not, it's not um, sure.
1: Hallelujah. I love her so. Right. We should be. Yes, let's uh, be clear on be that. clear on that track. It, that wasn't uh, New York, New York. In case you're
2: wondering. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love her so. And I like that whole image of uh, the coffee in my favorite cup. We flipped that around at, at my house. Yeah. I bring her her coffee in her
1: favorite cup. So, yeah, that's I was going to say the same exact. Oh, thing. The, well, no, you <laughs> didn't, didn't destroy it. I'm just saying I have I'm, I'm in love with somebody who uh, who can't function without coffee even though she's fully functioning before she has the coffee the coffee is is key yeah so when I heard that line it really cracked me up and you know it definitely it's my new favorite Frank track you know and uh it's fresh but at the same time not knowing that that it was a Ray Charles song until uh today uh it makes a lot of sense
2: yeah and I mean what a what a great recording the uh the horns at the beginning and the yeah, it was really punchy and just bold. Loved it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, great, it's what, a great song. What can I tell you? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's tough. What can I tell you? It's, it's tough to lead with something that's uh, that fun. I mean, obviously, yeah. the thing about this record that cracked me up was that it, I don't, I mean, not, not to be too critical here, but I mean, you know, Frank, I don't know when this was released, but basically... 1969. 69, so 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. And... And it's almost like he's um, it's almost like he's I don't know how many covers he did until this, but pop pop covers uh, of the 60s. You know, he's got Mrs. Robinson on here. Right. And it ends those it ends the album. It's a it's a really weird thing. But they, then they put it first on the track listing on the first on the front of the record to almost sell the record that it has got Miss Robinson on here. Um, well I
2: think I think this period in Frank's career was where he was caught a little bit between the music that he loved the mu- the music he grew up with um the the big band era and the the songs of the 40s and then you get into a period where pop music rock and roll has really taken off and Frank's trying to find himself and, and figure out how he moves forward. So there's a there are a number of albums that have um a lot of more popular songs that are covers. And frankly, I don't think uh My Way is the best of,
1: of these type albums. Oh, um, that you met the song. No. Yeah, it's well, it that's a, it's not a good cover. Miss Robinson, to me. Oh, oh. You know, it's I I like it,
2: but I like it kind of for sort of campy reasons. Like I can't believe Frank is doing Mrs. Robinson and the way he sings it and the ad libs of the lyric. He changes the lyric and he's he's got some funny lines in there, the way he talks about Mrs. Robinson baby,
1: you know. Well, it and feels a little throwaway because again it's it's stuck last in the order. Yeah. It's last on the order. Uh, Hallelujah, I love her so is the third track, and then he does he follows that up with yesterday, yesterday from the mm-hmm. Beatles. Mm-hmm. So you know it's yeah I don't know it's I'm I'm enjoying listening to it though. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good little a little record there. I mean, it, I I don't know if I would recommend it to the uh, to anyone about the completest. <laughs> right I,
2: yeah I don't I don't I'm not playing my way a lot at my house the The album but I do appreciate it and I think like you like we said there are some there are some good songs on it there's some good performances and if you're really just if you want to be entertained at more of a comical level that cover of Mrs. Robinson um, kind of
1: fits the bill there <laughs> Um, what do we think of, uh, I'm, I'm like on the third sip of this, uh, Michter's. It's, uh, it's not Michter's, by the way, it's Michter's. It's got a, it's M-I-C-T-E-R. I'm sorry, M-I-C-H-T-E-R apostrophe S. So yes. Asked for it by Michter's, not Michter's. Uh, but man, it's, it drinks like a little, bur- a little bourbon there. It's got a little bourbon, uh, taste, but it's more of a, a straight out whiskey. Um Larry, why would it be why is it called whiskey rather than bourbon for this release? Oh, well, for for those uh who need to know. Yeah. So you need to know only? No kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh and again I don't profess to be some sort of expert on this, but uh this is an easy one. Bourbon has to be at least fifty one percent corn mm-hmm. in the mash bill mm-hmm. that it's distilled from. Mm-hmm. So Uh, that's the dominant grain to be a bourbon, 51% corn. And then you can put rye, you can uh, fill that with barley, you can fill that with uh, wheat, wheat, Mm -hmm. uh, other grains. But in order to be a bourbon, you must be 51%. There's those who want to get into arguments. I'm not going to get into it here about Jack Daniels and Tennessee whiskey. Kentucky, being a a bourbon. Yeah, being a bourbon Mm -hmm. versus a a Tennessee whiskey. We can talk about what designates a Tennessee whiskey later. Right. But... uh, but yeah, this is this I chose again, because if you're going to start with something, if you don't like scotch, if you don't like the pot still uh, distillation flavor of an Irish whiskey, you know, from the American whiskey standpoint, I don't consider this the best. I don't know if there is a best American whiskey. There's awards for that kind of stuff. But I like this one because it's got a good sweetness and a good, you know, robust flavor.
2: Yeah, and let's let's just go out on a limb here and just say that American whiskey and bourbon is better than all that foreign stuff. So <laughs>
1: hey, now yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a huge I'm a huge yeah. Scotch fan. I love peated Scotch, the smokier, the the peat. Oh boy, it's my yeah. Yeah. But see that that's a whole acquired taste. There's plenty of podcasts about Scotch, but right. but it, it, don't knock it till you tried it. I mean, I, that's, I, that's the same thing as like people saying, "Oh, I don't drink." Bourbon, because uh, I, I killed myself with Jim Beam in college. <laughs> you know, it's a different era. Uh, you're drinking swill. Sorry, Jim Beam. But you're drinking, you know, too much of swill. Right. Not that it's, all swill is bad. I love bottom shelf bourbons. But, uh, you know, this stuff is a savor with friends type experience, including scotch.
2: Right. Well, in my youth, I'm, I might have...
1: Had some rum from time to time, so... Well, yes, the Captain Morgan's train um, did leave the station on a couple <laughs> of occasions. I, yeah, yeah. Bacardi. Well, but, I think uh, uh, you, you've, you've picked a, a great track. Uh, we're going to take a break here for a second, but you've picked a great track that we can talk about next, um, and uh, I, I just don't know uh, how I'm going to... You know, my song will ever live up to this, this, this song.
2: Are we going to play it? Are we going to talk about it first? Oh, we're going to play it. Okay. And then we're going to
1: take a break. Fantastic. And then we're going to drink some more. Well. And talk about Frank. Consider it a plan.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Mm. I've got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string Around my finger What a world, what a life, I'm in love It's
1: the sensation that's sweeping the nation with two classics together at once The Voice and The Hooch Frankly drinking, three songs, two pours, just like the chairman likes the nectar of the gods. Listen wherever you get today's newest radio broadcast digital creations, and remember to drink often and listen responsibly. Uh, the other way around, see? Drink responsibly and listen often. Silly
0: if I should ever let it go. I got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got the string around my finger, what a world, what a life, I'm in love.
1: All right, welcome back to Frankly Drinking, that was World on a String, I, I just ended that too soon, it just, life. Ugh, I could keep going with that one, you know? <laughs> I mean, World on a String, that's like, mmm. That's yeah. like in my top three.
2: It's so it's such a such a great recording and and such a great song. I remember listening to that when I got the first Sinatra release that I ever bought, uh, which was the three disc Capital collection in uh, ninety. I think it was ninety, and that I had the short, the small single disc. Right, version there's a version. one disc version, but yeah. the three disc version. And by the way. Um, a lot of times, if you if you want a little introduction to Sinatra, you don't have and and you want a CD. I mean, you're listening to a podcast, so maybe you just use Apple Music and you don't need no stinging CD. Yeah, but they're if,
1: not using CDs. Okay,
2: no, I'm kidding. If there if there's an elderly person listening and you want <laughs> to get a CD, this one is not a bad one to get because it's very inexpensive on the secondary market. You can go to eBay or or Amazon, get used used. still buy it. Yeah, no, you can get a used copy. You can get a used copy for a few bucks. Gotcha. So it's, it's very accessible. And that was on there. And I just remember it just puts, this song just puts a smile on your face. It's such an optimistic song. It fits well with Sinatra's persona and, and sort of his view of life and what, what he was all about, um, goes well with, with, um, with his personality. And, but interestingly it was written um, in 1932 um, by for, for him no oh. no no he he hadn't he hadn't uh, gotten into the biz yet gotcha um you know he was born in 1915 so 1932 he was only 17 sure um, but no it was written by uh, Ted Ted Kohler and Harold Arlen and and Harold Arlen would would work on a uh, write a lot of songs that wound up being recorded by Frank eventually um, uh, in in the 32, in the depths of the depression and you have this amazingly optimistic positive song um, coming out of that era uh, the re- strange to think about Yeah, so this recording um, which is from 1953 um, orchestrated uh, by Nelson Riddle and it was recorded as a single um, on Capital uh, Records, which Frank um, had joined that year or the year before, right around that time, is when he went to Capital, um, leaving Columbia um, after they dropped him. And he was able to sign with Capital. Capital was a relatively new um, company at that time, and they took a chance. On this guy, um, on Frank Sinatra, at that time, um, after the years, after the war years, he was so popular with the Bobby Soxers during the war years, and, and during the forties. But then, had a, had a bit of a lull, and then when when uh, Capitol picked him up, and they paired him with Nelson Riddle, and the rest is history. So the this rest was not, is magical. This was not on a album. You know, they, they would, Capitol would put um, some albums, they, they would collect some songs. I think this one might have been called This Is Sinatra, that they put it on a collection of singles. But this was initially released um, as a Capitol single in 53. Um, singles at that time, you know, were very important in the music business. And um, oh, the, the way they still are.
1: I mean, yes.
2: Yeah. It's kind of, it's sort of come back around because we went through a time when singles were so important then albums I became mean, the standard in, in all the rock bands um in the 70s and 80s and so on. I mean, it was like We we'll that about for our
1: album rock podcast <laughs> coming oh. to you from the depths of the album rock lair.
2: <laughs> um
1: just drop but, some Zeppelin in the middle of the podcast.
2: Uh, exactly. I was thinking, you know, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about Zeppelin myself. So, I mean, we grew up together, so it's no no surprise that both of, both of us were thinking about it's, Zeppelin. It's something
1: about that voice, that radio voice. Yes. It wouldn't be like, and up next it's my way from Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- you're right, though. The singles today are, are huge. You have these huge singles. I don't really, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you what the name of the new Justin Bieber record is. I know his single, you know, but I don't know the name of the record. Is it a record? I don't know. I don't know. Like Lana Del Rey, she puts out singles. Mm. Um, She's a wonderful artist. If you haven't listened to her, but basically uh, she puts out singles instead of records for like a year. And then all those singles are on that album eventually. But Mm. it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a method that works to, you know, to promote the record too.
2: I, it's, to me, it just seems like with streaming and the ways that people consume records, consume music today, the big artists, uh, big pop artists, they don't really care about albums. They just do singles that... You mean, uh, the, you mean the labels don't care about albums? No. I, I mean, I think that the way you make money is just by getting them to play... You know, if you're if you're Taylor Swift, you just want them to play X Y Z song. I can't think of one right now, but you just wanted to
1: play that a million times. You know, uh, the song would be Lover. Okay, okay. <laughs> one of the singles off her new record, but but basically, uh, but back then they just didn't. I mean, it was just all albums or just a single.
2: Right, right, and and don't forget how important radio was at that time because. You know that that medium was just it it was so important and in fifty three you know you're getting you're getting to the point where um television is coming along, but it hasn't become the mass medium yet and radio is still important frank was frank hosted a bunch of radio shows during right. the course of his career right. and did these shows where You know, they would have the top 10 songs of the week. And Frank would perform all of them uh, live on the radio. Well, he performed his own singles live. Oh, no, he would. It was like, okay, we're going to do the top 10 songs of the week with Frank Sinatra. And so Uh Frank would sing the releases by these other people. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Can you imagine? Yeah. Live. Yeah. um, on, On the radio. And that's the way that I mean, this is a guy who used. Whatever mass medium there was at the time, he used it, radio, television, film,
1: all the way up to the CD era. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I remember that that Capitol collection, um, I maybe this is we'll save this for another episode, but the the compilations were how I discovered Frank's music. I mean, it was college. Mm-hmm. I was listening mm-hmm. to uh, early REM. I was listening to like rock bands like the Pixies for the first time in my life. I was listening to bands I had never heard before, and I was listening to Frank Sinatra at the same time. Like that—that's crazy to think about. That that compilation was on my radar. It was, you know, probably thanks to you. But at the same time, at the same time, I was enjoying listening to it. You know, as a break from the other things I was listening to at the time.
2: Right. Well, I think when I was in grad school, when I was listening to Frank really for the first time intentionally, and it wasn't work, I, I say it like that, I was doing it intentionally, certainly wasn't work. I loved it. And I remember doing things like, I mean, ironing ironing my shirts and stuff in, in, my, in my dorm room um, and, and listening to Frank and, and getting ready to go you know, to go out on a date or, or whatever. Um, and I was, my roommate was a music, uh composer and, uh, a music major, um, Tony, and he played the viola and anyway, but a, a great guy, wonderful guy. I think he was probably confused by, by my record collection or my CD collection because it had, you know, uh, the Beatles and U2 and, uh, then, Frank Sinatra
1: and, and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I I can't believe that uh, Frank didn't do Zeppelin covers at one point in his career. Well, actually, oh, my love. Um, oh he did. Actually, um, no, oh. he did. He did
2: not. He did <laughs> not. But uh, yeah.
1: Well, I I uh, I I've finished this uh, this dram this pour of Michter's American whiskey. I I really like this stuff. Uh, it's got a great nose on it if you're into nosing whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Or if you're into just drinking them, it's got a great taste. I mean, it's... You know, I don't want to be, like, highfalutin and, like, you know, giving you all these bourbon notes right from this guy <laughs> in the South. bourbon bourbon But, you know, I, I wanted to recommend something that somebody could go pick up off the shelf. Right. I think it's relative... You know, it's 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 not a very cheap bottle. It's going to be, uh, you know, 40 to $50. dollars
2: mm-hmm.
1: But... I think that that I think for that price point this is pretty pretty good and it's, it's got a classic. A, it's got a great flavor. Larry, what is the what's the proof on this? Oh, uh the proof on this mixers American whiskey is 83.4. Huh. And uh they they like to kind of tout that they're, you know, pre-revolutionary uh standards um it's what they're kind of marketing this with. Okay. They're, they're they're great. They're great uh Company, they, there's there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of arguments about are they making their stuff, are they not making their stuff. Uh, a lot of people buy their um, liquor from other distillers mm-hmm. until they actually get up off the ground and start making stuff. They're, they've I've actually been to the Michter's um, Fort Nelson Distillery in Louisville. It's a great place to visit. Uh, and they walk through the process. They're actually making their whiskey there and uh, out in uh, um, another... Um, section of Louisville. Um, but actually, Louisville. Louis, sorry, Louisville. 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 No. Louisville. Definitely not Louisville. Uh, Louisville. 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 But, but I, I I would be... Um, I, I should mention that Michter's dates back to 1753, but it was... Uh, the reason it was uh, a Revolutionary War uh, whiskey is because mm-hmm. it was made in Pennsylvania in... Um, I forget the name of the town. It was it. It started out in, in in eastern Pennsylvania. Okay, and it was made with rye as the dominant grain. So it, Pennsylvania is known for their rye. Yeah. In that era. So basically, it was a rye whiskey. And then as it moved uh, into this modern iteration of it, it's it's you know they're making it like bourbon and whiskeys made today. Yeah. And they do produce a rye, but. You, you know, you know, this is funny because you're talking about the
2: American Revolution. Yeah. Um, Frank, Frank liked to talk, um, tell stories when he was performing live. I like the segue. And um, one of the stories he told about George, Wa- he talked about George Washington and how. He did? Yeah, he did. He talked about the famous picture of, of Washington crossing the Delaware um, and he's standing in the boat. There's this famous painting. Yeah. And. uh he said uh you you see washington standing in that boat he's got his hand inside of his pocket in, inside his jacket It slipped in there and i tell you this is what frank was say i'll tell you nobody nobody stands up in a boat going across a river in <laughs> december in unless they got a bottle under there so <laughs> i bet he had a bottle of mixers i he could he could have
1: some definitely some kind of uh corn liquor. Or rye whiskey in there. In it there. was definitely rye. And it I... was definitely sporting some uh some rye in there. In a in a flask made of sheepskin. Uh something. Uh, I, I, da, 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 it doesn't matter, but I'm sure I n I do know
2: George Washington loved whiskey. <laughs> you heard you heard it here first. Almost as much as he loved this country. He really <laughs>
1: He really did. He did love his whiskey. He's a good man. Good uh, so uh, I, I would give, you know, the thing about most whiskey review podcasts or reviewers. <laughs> okay. Is Here we they, go. Here it, we they, go. They give it like a a, a, a point yeah. system or like a grade. I, I think we should do this, but my, my system is a little bit different. It's backwards. Mm. Okay. Mm. Because basically, just like Frank, he liked two cubes. Right. Right. Right? No, he like three cubes, two yeah. fingers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I like this Jack. I don't like Jack neat necessarily, so I like to put a little ice in it. Yeah, we're gonna do the same thing. If the whiskey is bad, mm. it gets more ice, more, so ice you in. can tolerate it and you can <laughs> swallow it. So a bad whiskey is gonna be five cubes. Five. If we get some really bad stuff, right. Can we go to six? Yeah, these go to eleven. Yeah. We can go to yeah. six if we go it's to six. had to. If it's a good. Whiskey, a really good whiskey. Yeah, and all whiskey needs water, by the way, to let it open up. So, it's not ice. Yeah, but if it doesn't need anything, yeah. it's a really good whiskey. Yeah, it's gonna be no cubes. Ooh. So it's opposite. Ooh. Okay. 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 So sort of like golf. Right. Kind of like golf. Lower the score, the better. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I'm gonna give this one cube. I think it. I think one cube would would help it out okay. a little bit, and it's delicious. Um, I, I, I like the other Michter's products, but I, I really like this for what it is. I can't disagree with you on that,
2: Larry. I think it's really nice. I, I was actually surprised that the proof was not a little bit higher because the flavor intensity uh, on this whiskey, I thought it might've been a little higher octane, but, uh, no, that's great.
1: So it's Fantastic. not too hot for you? No. Oh, okay. No, no. no. So okay. you're agreeing with, with, when, with one ice cube? Yeah. All right, we're going to give it one cube. By all means, yeah. let's go one cube yeah.
2: on the Michter's American Whiskey 2013.
1: <laughs> it's like you almost moved into a Casey some <laughs> countdown there. <laughs> <laughs> American Whiskey countdown continues. AT uh, counts them down. One thing we like to do uh, starting with this episode, number one, is give you uh, a deep cut, a track that you might not know about, uh, this week, uh, Lucas picked one out for us. Uh, shall we take a little listen? Yeah,
0: let's take a listen. A country dance was being held in a garden. I felt a bump and hurt and, oh, beg your pardon. Suddenly I saw polka dots and moonbeams all around the pugnose. The music started, and was I the perplexed one? I held my breath and said, may I have the next one? In my frightened arms, polka dots and moonbeams sparkled on a pug nose. All right, that's uh,
1: polka dots and well, moonbeams from the essential Frank Snatcher with the Tommy Sor- Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. Excuse me. Uh, that's a that's a weird song. <laughs> well,
2: I like that song a lot. It says it's it's such a sweet, romantic, kind of naive um song, and it comes from it comes from nineteen forty when Frank, as you said, was with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. Um, we had to go uh, a minute and a half into the song before Frank showed up? Yes. Is that right? It was orchestrated because before that. Yeah, right. there's this beautiful intro. A lot of these records were made for people to um, dance to and to, um, you know, in this case, slow dance to because that's that was the, um, the tempo. And this song, um, written by Jimmy Van Heusen and Jimmy Burke, uh, Van Huzen was a would would go on to be a very close friend of of Frank Sinatra, and Frank got him a lot of work over the years, um, doing those special uh, songs that were written, say, for the beginning of a Sinatra song. The, the title song right. was often a Van Heusen, Van Huzen and Khan. Um, Did he also Sammy Khan together? Going to the shirt business, Mister Van Heusen? <laughs> you know, actually, Van he- This is a funny thing to ask about because because Jimmy Van Heusen is not his real name I don't remember his real name but uh, Van Heusen took his name uh. from the shirt he thought it sounded cool and he did yes and so he just made <laughs> himself Jimmy Van Heusen it was Jimmy something else and then he became Jimmy Van Heusen um and that was his stage name yeah uh, wow. v- the funny thing about since you got me on Van Hughes, I'll say one I'm more thing about it. Blown away by this. <laughs> um, actually, let's just save that for another time, in the interest of time. Um, Axel Stordahl did the arrangement on this track. He arranged a lot of those, um, a lot of the songs that uh, Sinatra did on Columbia, and uh, worked uh, with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra on this recording from March of nineteen
1: forty which, I mean, we are on the cusp of 80 years ago. 80 years. In eight years, he's singing about moonbeams and pug dreams, and uh, it's a little bit trippy. I, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, uh, I mean, obviously, he's intoxicated by the night. Is that what this is about? He's intoxicated by this pug
2: dame? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, There's sort of an interesting theme that he is falling for her but she's not a quintessential sort of straight out of the magazine beauty. Um he he's she's definitely beautiful, she's pretty. Uh, maybe she's cuter, maybe she's on the cuter side. But that's why people are you you I'm not gonna get in this argument. Seriously, if you notice in the lyric, the the people around them are a little perplexed by um their them coming together and being attracted to each other. So they're they're raising questions about the Pug Nose Dream and about how she looks. But apparently uh, the singer is, uh, is just intoxicated by her.
1: So yeah. they well. just go on from there and live happily ever after. That is uh, one for you guys to, to download or to stream or to buy on CD. It's a great track. It's definitely um, really establishing uh, Frank as the voice, as we talked about earlier. Uh, And why he was known as the voice with that, just that crooning sound that came out of radios. You could just hear why people were so enamored with him. Uh, Speaking of being enamored, uh, we are enamored with Jack Daniels, just like Frank was. Uh, We have our special uh, Jack Daniels bottle for episode one tonight. Comes from, we think, uh, uh, somewhere around 1970 to 1975. This bottle, uh, Luke will explain. Uh, yeah, um, this bottle was owned by my
2: grandparents, um, my grandmother, Ama and my grandfather, Mo, and I, they were both teetotalers. Um, they, they didn't drink. They certainly didn't drink um, whiskey, um, and, uh, but this, they, they were also frugal. So someone gave this to my grandfather, and they did not throw it away. They knew it had value,
1: even though they did, even though they didn't drink. It had value. <laughs> it had, it had value. Um, well, now it's got more value, it, it, even though it's open. It, you know, you can find, you can still find bottles like this out there. People do hold on to them. Uh, Europe has a lot of older bottles you can buy for two, three hundred dollars. If you really want to buy an, uh, an old Jack Daniels, you can track it down. Right. Um, and this, Larry, this is so far back there that the bottling for this was at ninety proof.
2: You know that most of this stuff, you know, in the eighties, nineties, it was eighty-six proof for Jack Daniels, but this was ninety proof. It's in a, it's in a quirky,
1: very strange to us, four fifths of a quart right. bottle. Right. A lot of bottlings back then were four-fifths quart. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're going to open this up. I, I, and I it has I just, been, it has been opened. By yes, us. it's been opened. We, we've, we've partaken of this bottle. Luke's going to pour me a neat pour here. Uh, I can't put ice on this. It's too delicious. He's only given me maybe half a dram, which is totally worth it. Um Luke, would you like a cube? No. Okay. No, no, yeah. absolutely. Don't, not. don't put ice on older older um older booze. Basically, uh it's wow. it's it's basically opened up in the bottle and if you put any water or ice on it, it's gonna destroy the flavors. That's mm. a little a little uh, hint if you have an older bottle of whiskey. <clears throat> if the older bottle of whiskey is cloudy, you don't want to drink that, by the way. Uh, some people do. I, I don't. But these clearer Jack Daniels bottles from the 60s and 70s, 80s, it's delicious stuff. Yeah. So open it up and, uh, and have a drink. We're going to... Chin don Hey, cilantro. Um, we're going to uh, sign off with this uh, until next time. Uh, this has been a great first endeavor. Um, and signing off let's, with a special... Let's do a little taste. Let's do a oh, quick you want to taste. Oh, it? Okay, Let's do well a on. quick taste. Mm. Mm. Wow. Nectar of the gods. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is... They don't make them like they used to, folks. Oh, my gosh. That's really good. Uh, they don't make them like they used to, mm. so... Uh, it's very special having this bottle for this occasion... Yeah. Um, ...with friends on this first episode. Uh, here's some. Many more of these So, And uh, here's to
2: you, Larry And to, uh, to my grandfather, Mo Absolutely Cheers
1: So good Alright, well We'll see you next time mm. You know where to find us? On Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts All those podcasts All those podcast places We're frankly drinking
0: Drinking again And thinking of when, when you loved me.